0: WBCR FM, Loudonville, Albany. Proudly owned and operated by Siena College, a Franciscan institution. 88.3 The Saints! Welcome to the Saints and Alumni Show right here on WBCR. 88.3 The Saints. It is Friday, July 8th, 2022, and I'm your host, Brandon Murphy, class of 2017, Associate Director of Alumni Engagement, and this week, I'm joined by two Franciscan friars, Father Casey Cole and Father Roberto Tito Serrano, talking about the Franciscan mission, led by St. Francis of Assisi, and their summer tour, of the Bleacher Brothers. Stay with us, we'll be right back here on WBCR 88.3 The same. Found us 88.3 The Saint. Welcome back to The Saints and Alumni Show. I'm your host this week, Brandon Murphy, Class of 2017, Associate Director of Alumni Engagement. And this week, I am joined by two Franciscan friars, Father Casey Cole and Father Roberto Tito Serrano, talking about the Franciscan mission led by St. Francis of Assisi and their summer tour Bleacher Brothers, which I'm so excited to talk about today and have our listeners uh, learn a little bit about. A reminder to everyone listening today here on WVCR 88.3 The Saint, even though you're listening on the radio today, you can follow along on the Saints and Alumni Show podcast on the Siena Alumna Engagement YouTube channel, and any roads those which you get your podcast immediately following the show. But without further ado, I want to introduce today Father Casey and Father Tito to the show. Thanks for coming on today.
1: Thanks okay. for having us. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. I
0: know it's been a crazy busy summer for both of you, so we really do appreciate the time that you've taken out today to to speak with the Siena community and all the listeners uh, of the podcast. And there's so much to unpack and so much to learn about today. But first, as we begin all the podcasts that we have here uh, on the show, I want our audience to get to know a little bit about the guests that we have on today and a little bit about the journey and the path that you both have taken uh, becoming Franciscan friars. So first, I want to start with Father Casey and and talk a little bit about how that decision came about um, and what were some of those leading factors uh, to becoming a Franciscan Friar.
2: So I went to college knowing I wanted to be a religious studies major. I went thinking I'd be a youth minister, maybe a professor. I wanted to do something in the religious world, some pastoral work. And I met the Friars there at my university at Furman University. They were chaplains there. And I just got to know them and what the work they did and the way they did it, their prayer, their fraternity. And it just inspired me. And so for two or three years getting to know them, I realized that that was something that I wanted to do as well.
0: And what about for you, Father Tito? What were some of the, the leading factors and, and when did that decision come about for you to join uh, the Franciscan Friars?
1: Uh, my process was a little bit different. So from a very young age, I was really drawn to St. Francis. I was drawn to the priesthood as a life service. You know, I grew up in the military, so I knew a lot of military chaplains. Um, so. Very early on, I started thinking about this kind of life. You know, I was drawn to that, you know, sense of mission and and being ser- uh, service, especially draw- service to the poor and stuff like that. So um, when I was in my early 20s, I was like, I need to really start discerning this, but I don't know anything about Franciscans. So I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville for a year, got to know some great friars there, and they inspired me to want to join their fraternity in particular. And I became a OFM Franciscan.
0: And Father Tita, you talked about a little bit about where do people begin to look and how to get involved in this journey and and maybe how to apply uh, to become a Franciscan Friar. And you are lucky enough to have some of those connections uh, that that you could speak with. But other than that, is there a specific website or a specific network that people can go to uh, in a quick way to learn about uh, what that mission is of St. Francis and, and how to become a Franciscan Friar?
1: Yeah, um, there's a couple of websites, actually. Um, if they want to learn specifically about becoming a Franciscan, then our website is beafranciscan.org. Uh, if they want to learn a little bit more about our province and what we do, they, they can go to hnp.org. So holy name province, hnp.org.
2: We're also a worldwide order. So you yeah. can go to ofm.org slash vocations and uh, you can see all around the world what we're doing and how, how you can become a part of it.
0: And that's really big on what you both are doing this summer. And we want to get to that in a second segment. And it's really about the mission led by St. Francis and meeting people where they're at. And that is a big part of the process to become a Franciscan friar, is having different placements throughout that journey and different communities to get to know the community that you're living in. Father Casey, can you touch a little bit about where maybe some of your placements were and some of the most memorable experiences on the journey to become a Franciscan friar?
2: Uh, So in formation, it's a long process. So we start with postulancy, which is just an introductory year where you get to know the friars, you get to know what this life is, the rhythm of it. You get to know yourself a little bit more. And I did that in Delaware. But and I both lived in Wisconsin for our novitiate, which is a very intense year of prayer, community, understanding the rule of St. Francis. And then from there, we go to study. So Father Tito went to Rome. I went to DC. We met up again in Chicago. We've had internships in New Hampshire and Virginia and North Carolina. So we've been kind of all over the place. And what it does is give us a great breadth of all the things that Friar Life can offer. I, I've done international missions. So as Father Tito. So we just get to see that it's not just your own immediate experience, but uh, really Friar Life is living the gospel. And there are many ways and places to live the gospel.
0: And we'll go for you, Father Tito, some of the places that, that you were at as part of the, the formation process and some of your favorite parts about
1: that journey. Yeah, um, one of the most formative places for me early on was a parish that I was working at in New Hampshire, uh, just because of the the wide range of activities and the ways in which that parish would do outreach. You know, It was in a very affluent part of town. Um, people could very easily have lived a very comfortable life. But uh, the Knights of Columbus, they were very active in terms of social justice in their local community. They would go up to the next town over where there was a large homeless population. They would collect cans and, and have people, you know, kind of deposit cans at the church that could be cashed in and all that money would be donated. And so they, they did a lot of great work and stuff like that. So I really like the fact that the, the secular Franciscans there also were very active in the community. It wasn't just a place where people came and lived their very comfortable lives and prayed, but they were connected to those who were less fortunate, those who struggled, and they had a real grounded sense of, we are a community, we are a church. And that really, I think is very important for Franciscans and for all people who wanna be friars and in this life, is you have to have a broader sense of community. It's not just my local community, but how do we reach out to others that maybe don't usually get overlooked?
0: And Father Casey, for those listening today, can you elaborate a little bit on how long is that formation process? And say it's, it's you and Father and you both become really close at one placement. How likely is it that some of the friars still stay together throughout various placements throughout their, their time as a Franciscan friar?
2: So from the time that we enter until you take solemn vows is about five or six years uh, minimum. Sometimes people take seven or eight if they want a longer discernment. Um, And then if you want to become ordained, it usually takes another year or two longer than that to uh, be finished with your training so you can become a priest. As far as living with people, um, we're pretty itinerant. And so every three to six years, for the most part, we get transferred. And sometimes it's for reasons of fraternity and people that work well together. Sometimes it's for the ministry. We have a little bit of a say in that, but we also take vows of obedience and we have to think of the common good and what's good for the whole community and not just what's good for us. So it's a give and take.
0: And present day, I know that you're both on this incredible base for our journey uh, that we're gonna get to in the second segment. I keep hinting at it, but big picture current day, where are you both currently located and the current roles that you have uh, within your communities right now, Pablo Casey?
2: So I'm in Macon, Georgia. I work at a Catholic high school. I'm the chaplain there, also a chaplain at an elementary school, a parochial school connected to a parish, help out at a parish, help out at a soup kitchen, and a college as well. So I've got a lot of small uh, kind of part-time jobs we put together, just being a friar in the community.
0: And what about for you, Father Teeter? I know I get to see you somewhat on a, on a weekly basis, and, and I love that. Uh, for those listening, how do we see each other on a weekly basis? What have you
1: been up to? Uh, so typically, I um, I work at In the campus ministry office, and that means I also get to work with the Damietta Center. Basically, I'm a mission office employee. So I tie into how is the whole school living up to the mission of, of, you know, our school. How do we live up to that? What we say we want to be. And so I get to work really with all departments. Um, I come in and I work with the Damietta Center, which is the intercultural center. I work with the athletic department. And of course, I stop by your office on a regular basis with questions like, hey, how, how can we do this? How can, how can I get in touch with the alumni to do this thing or that thing? So you're always very helpful with that. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> and Father Tito, you also stopped by to talk a little bit about the, the Siena Beverage Institute, yeah. uh, which is a new, um, not club on campus, but a new learning opportunity for the Siena community. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you enjoy about SBI and, and what it is at Siena College?
1: So yeah, the Siena Bever- Beverage Institute is new it, and we are turning it into a true institute and, and uh, working towards that goal. And what we do is we connect with our local partners around in our local community, around the college who make beer, who make spirits, who make wine, cider, What you know, any kind of beverage. Yes, typically focus on alcohol, but not just that. There are some coffee Uh, and kombucha people that we're going to be working with very soon. And we talked to them. We asked them, what do you need? And what can we help you with? Because all of them know how to make their beverages. They know how to brew. They know how to distill. They know how to make wine. A lot of them need help with business stuff. Uh, They need help with data analytics. They need help with marketing. They need help with social media. And that's where we can come in because we have different departments around the school that we have very talented students and very knowledgeable professors who we partner with them, who, give, who look at what they're doing, um, kind of give them a proposal and say, this is what, ways in which we think that you can improve. And then the students help them do that. So our professors get professional development. The students get work experience that they can put into their portfolios or into their resumes, and they get graded for it too. So it's uh, great professional work for everyone involved and everyone wins.
0: And I love attending uh the tastings. They're really a treat. They're happening in my second office service speak on campus, and it's a great extracurricular activity for uh for the Siena
1: community to do. Yeah, and, we post tastings and we teach people how to taste and how to appreciate those <laughs> things. And and that those seem to be the most popular. <laughs> yes.
0: And I know Father Casey, you know, outside of working in the high school and in the community, you have an incredibly big and important platform through social media uh to help uh bring knowledge and understanding of that Franciscan mission to the larger community. Uh, and that kind of ties into this last question before we go to commercial break. What is it like being a Franciscan friar in the 21st century and, and some of the challenges the, that the Franciscan friars do face, Father Casey?
2: Yeah, I mean, you just look at our church in the world, it's a very contentious time, it's a very divided time. There are, there's a lot of energy in all different directions. And so I think it's a great opportunity for us as Franciscans who have often been reconcilers often been people who can go in and out of different communities to speak the truth with love and to be people who set an example of humility. That's often very difficult on, on social media. It's not something we see everywhere and it's something we don't do perfectly well either. But I think it's, it's definitely a challenge, but it's a great opportunity as well to call people back to what really matters as we're getting distracted and so, so many things that don't matter.
0: What about for you, Father Tito? What is it like for you to be a Franciscan friar uh, in the 21st century?
1: Um, It definitely means that I've had to adjust what I imagined I'd be doing, you know, from childhood and even early on when I joined the friars. Uh, I'm doing a whole lot more online than I thought I would. I didn't really have much of an interest in that. I thought that it was some, it was a space that we needed to be more present in, especially like TikTok and Instagram and you know those social media platforms, I think we can do a better job of doing outreach on those. And so I opened my mouth, my big stupid mouth, and I said, Hey, we should do this, you know, in a better way. And someone said, Great, tell us what you need. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, um, there is a challenge there because there is a lot of division, not just in our church, but in broader society. And I think, um, a lot of people kind of get confused and say, Well, I'm Christian, therefore I'm this political affiliation, or I'm Catholic on that political affiliation. And the reality is our faith should transform and transcend that. And we allow those two things to define each other instead.
0: And Father Teeter and Father uh, Casey, I wanna thank you both for providing a little bit of insight uh, on the Princess Commission and why it means so much to you and a little bit about that journey that you are both on. Uh, and we're going to talk in that second segment about this summer journey, which I keep referencing, which I'm so excited to talk about. So everybody listening, stay back, stay with us. We'll be right back here on WVCR, 88.3 The Saint. Your Seattle College Connection, 88.3 The Saint. Welcome back to The Saints and Alumni Show here on WVCR, 88.3 The Saint. I'm your host this week, Brandon Murphy, Class of 2017, Associate Director of Alumni Engagement here at Siena College, and this week I am joined by Father Casey and Father Tito talking about the Franciscan Mission and their journey, the Bleacher Brothers, this summer. Finally, nine years in the making for Father Tito and Father Casey, and about a 15-minute wait for our listeners today, but we finally get to talk about this incredible journey that you both are on across the country this summer. As I mentioned in that first segment, I'm lucky enough to see Father Tito somewhat on a weekly basis, not as much as he gets to see my twin Andy, you know, down campus, but I know how much this trip means to you and how excited you are to be on this trip and to be on it with Father Casey. And I just want to take it back a little bit of nine years ago and kind of have our audience understand how this Bleacher Brothers trip came about and what this mission is this summer. Father Casey, can you kind of give a little insight into that?
2: Sure. So in our novitiate, we were told by the Franciscans that taught us that St. Francis didn't necessarily go to the churches. That's not where he lived all the time. He went to the marketplaces, to the city streets, to where people gathered, to preach to them in ways that they could understand. It was about going out and finding people. And so we were told we needed to find a way to do that in our own world. Where do people gather today? And so I thought about it and I thought, well, baseball stadiums. It's a great summer pastime. Tens of thousands of people gather every night. And so I'd already had this idea that I wanted to travel around during the summers, like giving missions and talks. And I thought, what well, if we combine them, talk to father Tito, who a uh, big baseball fan himself, and we agreed to it nine years ago and finally getting to it now.
0: Father Tito, what has this weight been like for you as well? And what has some of the planning gone into it to, to make this a reality this summer?
1: So uh, it's been really interesting because um I I'm not great at keeping in touch. (laughs) So uh, when uh, we went our separate ways after novitiate, I went to Rome, he went to study in Washington, DC. And uh, we didn't talk for um, a couple of years. And that was pretty much my fault. (laughs) But um, when we got back together in Chicago, we started uh, talking again, hanging out again. And we created a podcast for a way to keep as a way for us to keep in touch. And throughout the whole thing, you know, periodically Father Casey would bring it up. He was like, "Hey, you still want to do this baseball thing? Are you still interested?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm always interested." But you know, the the majority of the planning, what has really been done by Father Casey, he created um, a spreadsheet to end all spreadsheets. Um, if you like spreadsheets, <laughs> we'll put this up in a museum so that people can <laughs> see how it's supposed to be done. And so I've been, you know, referencing it all all summer. He has it in his head, like it exists there, mm-hmm. like as a complete form. So um, a lot of work has gone into it, all of it by Father Casey.
0: And we talk a little bit about the planning and the details that go into it. And for those listening, wondering where they can find more information on this, and Father Case, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong on it, but they can go to BreakingTheHabit.org. And there's also this fantastic YouTube playlist uh known as the Bleacher Brothers. And I think there are episodes either weekly or bi-weekly, uh, that's kind of highlighting uh each leg of the journey that they've been going on. And That's where I first kind of dove into some of the the planning for this podcast today is I saw that announcement video. uh, I think it was maybe in 2020 that it was put together. So we had to wait a little bit. uh, And then the journey began, I think on May 20th, down in Miami. And then right then and there, you go to the baseball game. But then you're going into, uh, into the community to have these talks, to have these experiences with those community members. Father Casey, can you highlight a little bit on what cities you have been to and, and some of the talks that have taken place either on a scheduled basis or maybe organically throughout the game or throughout the walks within the community? Yes.
2: Yeah, so the purpose is to go to all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. So it's as much a, a baseball pilgrimage as anything else. And so the cities were pretty set. Didn't have a lot of choice in that. So we started in Atlanta. We went south through the Florida cities, So uh, Miami and Tampa, back up through Atlanta, Cincinnati in the Midwest to the Northeast, then to the the west and the um, kind of heartland, and now we're going to fly out to the west. So we've been to 20 cities at this point, gone to 20 baseball games, done talks, at a a little more than half of them, and then we'll we'll do some more out in California.
0: And with the talks, are you uh, presiding over any masses within the communities? Is there any other service-related opportunities that are happening throughout this journey?
2: Yeah, so we're uh, we're also celebrating Masses on the weekends, so we're trying to be as, as active in the community as we can.
0: And Father Tito, who has done most of the driving? Who's been doing most of the scheduling for, for the restaurants and the food? And, and what's that journey been like, being together 24-7? Uh,
1: we split the driving pretty evenly. I usually take the morning shift, and Father Casey takes the afternoon shift. Um, I'm just uh, more awake and alert in the morning. He's more awake and alert in the afternoon. I like siestas. <laughs> um so we've done a pretty good job with that the um <clears throat> as far as like the food and stuff like that when we're on the road it's you hungry yep okay let's eat <laughs> it's very impromptu as far as some of the places in some of the cities um i've come up with quite a few of them but father casey also had uh, some specific places where he's like no we have to eat here we have to try this we're gonna film this so um we're getting to the west coast where uh, I'm a little bit more familiar. I'm very excited with certain things. We're going to hit up some taco trucks in LA. I'm going to take them to the best chicken and waffles place I've ever been to in Arizona. Uh, we're going to have a, a lot of fun. We're going to do a lot of sampling and film it.
0: And that's what, you know, there's so many great parts about traveling. And, and one is the food and one is meeting people uh, of new cultures and, and uh, new ways of living. And that's one of my favorite parts about traveling is, is to meet those new people. And as we talk about meeting people where they're at, and I know that there just haven't been talks scheduled, but other opportunities to go to museums and to historical sites and to connect with people that way. What have been some of the, the other highlights on the trip besides the baseball games uh, and the religious talks and, and masses that you guys have experienced so far with Casey?
2: yeah so it's really a pilgrimage in some ways to the holy sites of the baseball world so we've been to cooperstown to see the baseball hall of fame when we were in kansas city we saw the negro baseball league museum Uh, we saw the place where they filmed a league of their own and um, uh, field of dreams and we also saw one of the actual fields where the women played in the all-american girls baseball league so it was very cool to go to those we also went to the louisville slugger museum and factory Got to hold a bat from Babe Ruth and Roberto Clemente. So it was almost like holding a relic, a piece of the past. And so it's really connected us with this this sport that's captivated people for 150 years.
0: And for you, Father Tito, I did see that social media post of you at the Louisville Slugger um, front office museum and and holding that baseball bat. What have been some of those those moments that, wow, this is going to stick with me for some time to come? And and maybe some of the expected parts of the journey that, that maybe necessarily wasn't planned to have.
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely holding that bat, holding Roberto Clemente's bat was a very emotional uh, moment for me Um, just because, you know, my dad was named after Roberto Clemente. You know, my my grandfather was just a big fan of his. Um, He was known in Puerto Rico prior to going and becoming uh, well-known in the United States. So um, he, he had a big, huge following there to begin with um so holding that bat was huge the what's been really cool and surprising it has been the number of um world series rings we've been able to (laughs) hold (laughs) um it's been uh uh the most that's probably the most money I've ever held in my hand in terms of value (laughs) some of them um but it was fascinated to me what fascinated me about is like I've always seen them at a distance and all I could see was like oh my gosh the gems wow these are kind of gaudy and stuff like that but when you're actually holding it there's a sense of, oh, this is because I never held any of the players ones. It was people who worked for the organization and the way in which they've been kind of very generous with the people who work for them saying, yeah, we want as many people as possible to get a ring because you're all kind of a part of this. I thought that was really cool. That struck me in a way that I wasn't expecting.
0: And I've seen uh, some some photos and, and some clips of you guys throwing out the first pitch at at some baseball games. Now, I got to know it. I'm sure the audience is wondering. Have you both been practicing that for nine years too? Or have these been impromptu uh you know events, so to speak, when, when you've been at the bar park?
2: We've been thinking about it for nine years. I <laughs> reached out to the clubs to see if we could throw out first pitch basically everywhere, and three have taken us up on it. But we didn't practice at all. We got zero warm ups, it's not a huge deal. People tell us before, like, you know, you you're not gonna realize how far it is away, you know, it's gonna surprise you. And I just kind of smile and roll my eyes as someone who played baseball most of my life. And I, I know exactly how far it is. It's okay. <laughs> it is a little bit more pressure when you're out on a major league field and you've got a couple fan, thousand fans around you, but you just give it one throw. Hope you don't embarrass yourself and then you move on.
0: That's like me. I'm in a, I'm in a softball league now. And you know, I used to play baseball and for me, it's only like six years ago. And I'm still like, I don't know how I used to do this back in high school. I completely lost the talent and the touch of, of baseball, so to speak, uh, on the slow pitch softball team. So, what about you, Father Tito? What's it been like to be on that field, uh, to have those types of experiences with Father Casey and with that broader community watching you?
1: So it's really weird to say this because the first time we threw throw uh, opening pitch or the first pitch, um, I really felt the pressure of the moment. Like, oh my gosh! Like, I'm, everyone's looking, and they're not actually, but <laughs> I felt like everyone was watching, um, and I was like, okay, I can't bounce it. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to short it. So. You know, I just threw it, and I threw it high. Uh, the second time <laughs> you get to do it, there's less pressure. Um, you're kind of, you're a little bit more used to it. But he's right; you don't get to warm up, you don't get to practice. So mm-hmm. it's like that very first pitch. So you don't get to really dial in those throws. So um, gives me a little bit more uh, empathy for people who overthrow it <laughs> or underthrow it. But um, but it's been really a humbling and cool experience. I think the coolest experience so far is that we got to film on a particular field and that's going to come out in another episode so if people want to see that uh, they can check us out on breaking in the habit on youtube and
0: the trip is just i think just halfway over um and just a few weeks left on this journey and as you mentioned earlier on uh you can hit that west coast swing pretty soon and every time that that i travel and, and probably a lot of people travel uh they dive into that that community and try to take a lesson or an experience back with them uh, so, I'm curious for Father Peter, and Father Casey, if there's anything that you've learned along the way, or anything that you learned from speaking with a specific individual or community member that you're going to take back with you to, to Georgia and for you, Father Peter, back at um, Siena College uh, to kind of make that community a better place, too. Anything for you, Father Casey?
2: It's, it's hard. As much as this has been a whirlwind tour, it's been a very quick tour. And so I'm hesitant to make any sort of major extrapolations or any sort of pr- pronounced, you know, uh, grand unified theories. But we have had a chance to get to know a few people to see the church lived out in a different place. And so it just adds a few more data points. It expands your worldview a little bit more. There's still a lot more listening to be done. But I, I do think seeing how the, the church is alive in pockets, how we see it lived out in different ways, helps to bring back and say, you know, we don't have to do it exactly this way. There are people in this part of the country who are struggling with this, or really great at this. You know, we have our own
1: way of doing it as well.
0: And I'll give the last thought to you today, Father Tito.
1: Yeah. What I've been intrigued by is um, the number of young adults who are going to baseball games. I mean, Father Casey and I have talked about this on multiple occasions. You know, they talk about baseball as if it's dying. Right. But every time, every game that we've been to, it's been mostly Uh, young adults who were there who were filling the stands, you know, in their uh, early to mid twenties, even in their thirties, you know, so it's, uh, it's been really cool to see that. And a lot of times when we get recognized, it's either by people who are much older, who recognize, oh, you guys are Franciscans. I grew up with Franciscans Um, or people who are younger, who've seen us on social media. And when they hear that we're Franciscans and Catholic priests, like, oh, I went to Catholic school and you can kind of see them kind of come alive when they see that uh, Catholic priests, are in their habits as Franciscans going to games and saying, yeah, you know, come enjoy a game. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and also be a good Catholic and, and be faithful. And the fact that these two things aren't opposed to each other, but that can actually be done together, really, I think, enlivens them. And so I think if, if I have hope for the future, because there, yes, our churches are not as full as we'd like them to be. But this trip has shown me that there is an interest in it. I think we just have to do a better job of, you know, uh, casting a wider net.
0: I want to thank uh, Father Teeter and Father Casey today for taking the time out on your trip uh, to speak with our listeners and for all that you are doing this summer across the country to kind of meet people where they're at. And spread the mission of St. Francis. Have a great rest of your trip. Safe travels. And Father Tito, I can't wait to hear it all in September when I see you again. And Father Casey, I hope that we can have a time to meet in person and chat again soon. Thank you to Thank both of you very much. and have a great day.
1: Thank you.